The following presentation is from Mountain Park Community Church in Phoenix, Arizona. For more information about Mountain Park, along with additional audio and visual teachings, visit mountainpark.org. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Harlow Wilcox, and I'm your narrator for today's episode of Against the Storm. But before we get started, I want to make sure that you, 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 and you over there all know what your part is here this morning. Yes, you play an important part. As part of our live studio audience, you set the mood for our listeners. It's very simple, don't worry. I have two lovely assistants here today, Hortense and Hortensia. And they... They will hold up a sign, and you will simply repeat the sound that they, you see on their sign. It's very, very simple. So let's give, it a ch- let's give it a shot here. Now, I want to make sure that you give your sounds with gusto, all right? So here we go. Uh, I got a haircut yesterday. What do you think? Oh, that's a tough crowd. What, do you, would, you, would you prefer that I just leave the stage? Hi, oh my. What does a guy got to do around here? I know, I'll tell you what. I will do, would you like to see a cartwheel? I'll do a cartwheel as long as you say the sound on these cards. Are you ready? Yeah. All right. Ready. Here we go. Very good. Perfect. Give yourselves a round of applause, ladies and gentlemen. Very good. We are so glad to to have you here this morning. You keep that up and everything will be right as rain. Now let's get this show started. presents Against the Storm. In last week's episode, Will and Betty Reed settled into their new home in the tropical paradise of Hawaii, where Will is stationed with the 25th Infantry. With Christmas just a few weeks away, the happy couple reflected on the eventful year of 1941 and made plans for a calm and peaceful new year. In today's episode, three wise men join the party Will comes to the rescue, and Betty has a surprise to share. Uh, Betty? Uh, Betty? Uh, honey, where are you? I'm in the kitchen! Failing miserably! Failing? Failing at what? Okay, honey, calm down and tell me what's going on. It's not possible for a person to fail at everything. I've watched my mom make scrambled eggs for years, and it looks so easy. But look at these! Golly, uh, how exactly does your mom make scrambled eggs? Well... I've always just watched from the table across the room while reading Life magazine and watching, listening to the radio. Uh, But I'm fairly sure she uses eggs. Check. Butter. Check. uh, Salt and pepper. Check. Anchovies. Um. uh, Lima beans. Whoa. Horseradish. 
So I'm not supposed to use the horseradish? Well, I don't know if that's exactly a common ingredient for scrambled eggs. <laughs> See? <laughs> Failure! How am I gonna make an entire Christmas dinner if I failed something as simple as eggs? You'll have to follow up every breakfast with a trip to the bathroom to use Clenzo. Clenzo, you gotta get Clenzo. Clenzo's the tooth cream of the stars. So when your breath is stale and sour, get the stuff that will overpower it all. Clenzo, Clenzo. Listen, Betty, if we're going to start listing our failures, I'm pretty sure I've got you beat. Remember our wedding day? Uh, first, I lost your wedding ring. Then I forgot to carry you over the threshold. Well, then, after you reminded me about the threshold, I actually grunted when I picked you up. So if anyone's a failure around here, it's me. Oh, Will. And another thing, I've eaten your mother's cooking, and your cooking could never, ever reach the depths that hers has. I'm surprised we haven't sent her to Germany to cook for Hitler. That would do him in the lickety split. <laughs> oh, Will, you're just trying to cheer me up. Is it working? I guess. Just promise me she'll never move in with us, and all will be forgiven. Now, come here and just give me a little kiss. I'll get it. Who could that be? It's probably the handyman I talked to you about, about putting in that pool I promised you for Christmas. We can't live in Hawaii and not have a pool, uh, even if we are living off of soldiers' wages. Well, as long as I'm not in charge of the pool, or we may be swimming in horseradish and anchovies. <laughs> Deal. Hi-ho, hi-ho, we're the pool guys, don't you know? So that's why they call yourselves the singing swimming pool guys. Yeah, I'm Gordon. Frank. And I'm Murray. We're also known as the, the Three Wise guys. guys. For pools, For that is. <laughs> Come on in. Thanks. Lovely home. It'll be even better with the pool. How big were you thinking? Not too big, just enough to fit the two of us and Perhaps a few kiddos. <laughs> Say 15 foot by 30 foot, um, and a nice patio around it. Uh, how much do you think that would cost? Huddle up. Just take the one, divide by two. Don't forget to carry the one. Here's your estimate. Boing. Uh, well, uh, thank you. I'll have to talk it over with the little lady and get back to you. Uh, thanks for taking the time to come on out. We will let you know when we're ready for construction. Uh, bye. Goodbye. 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 See you later. Alligator. Why did I ever think that we could afford a pool? Now who's the failure? How much is it? Take a look. Boing. Oh my. 
Oh, oh my. Excuse me. My, that's a long hallway. <laughs> Betty? Honey, it's just a pool. We can save up for one. In fact, once I'm out of the army, I plan on making a bundle. This whole thing with the Germans will blow over eventually, and, and I'll get out of the army and get a job. I have a plan. Are you okay, honey? I'll be fine. What's your plan? It's rock solid. I've heard household televisions are the wave of the future. Everyone will have one in their living room. My pal Jerry says it's a sure thing, and with the electronic training I'm receiving in the army, it's a perfect fit. Seriously, Betty, do you need me to get a medic? No, I'm okay. Uh, tell me more about your plan. It right. helps when you talk. All right, here's exactly how it will go. After my four years in the Army, I get out and we move back to Michigan. I get a job working with televisions and we buy a house and start a family. Until then, we enjoy our time here in Hawaii. Uh, for the next few years, just you and me, drinking Mai Tais and taking hula lessons. I might even take up the ukulele. It's not too late, right? It was probably the horseradish. Uh, actually, um, I don't think it has anything to do with horseradish. Will, I think I, uh... Oh, no. Will, what is it? What's going on? Something's happening at the harbor. I have to go. No, wait, Will! I think I'm pregnant. As Will races to his post, Betty wonders what their future will look like. But not even she could imagine what the next few years have in store for her and her family. Tune in next week for the next chapter of Against the Storm. Well, that's impressive. Doesn't it make you think sometimes that you were born in the wrong decade? You know, we could have, all of our entertainment could, uh, could have been like that. We're going to come back. I want to talk about Will and Betty in just a little bit here. Uh, but uh, before uh, that, I want to share something pretty great uh, with you. Uh, welcome. Once again, glad you're here. My name's Alan. And um, uh, last week, Don Doe wrapped up our year-long series called Foundation. We looked at 40 passages of Scripture this year. Uh, walked it out uh, through the, throughout the whole year. Now we're entering into some uh, Christmas stuff here for the next few weeks. But Don wrapped that up uh, last week, and I got an email from somebody I wanted to share with you. Um, she says, I want to take time to express my sincere gratitude for the year-long Foundation series. I've attended Mountain Park for 16 years, and I've been far uh, and I have by far experienced the most spiritual growth over this year, which was from a result of memorizing 31 of the 40 foundational verses. I know what many of you are thinking, just like me. What happened to the other nine? Uh, I know. <laughs> Slacker. Um, 
These verses are forever hidden in my heart and have drawn me into this deeper intimacy with the king of my heart. I have experienced beautiful answers to prayer during the year uh, that has had so many storms I've had to endure. God bless. I, I thought that was pretty tremendous. I thought that was pretty exciting. So hopefully uh, some of you have had um, some, uh, some uh, 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 great experiences here this, uh, this year. Next year we're going to have a whole new theme, and I'll let you know what that is here probably in the next couple weeks, uh, uh, maybe Christmas Eve, let you know what the plan is for 2017. But that plan will take us into our new home. And if you've been driving by that or checking that out, uh, it's, it's been pretty exciting. The whole journey has been uh, such a thrill. Here's a, just a quick picture of uh, this is in, standing in the new lobby, uh, looking up at what will be the balcony in the lobby there. They're working on that second floor. And in the next few weeks, they'll be adding the roof onto that. Uh, the whole thing is proceeding uh, uh, quite well. And right now, or the, the plans are to be in there in August of next year. Uh, excited about that. At the, in uh, February of this year, we, uh, uh, many of you participated in a, a journey called uh, Full Potential, where we uh, plan to raise $2.7 million to, so that we can make the transition from here to there and have increased space in uh, specifically children's and students' areas. Uh, very excited about that. And uh, uh, so we started a two-year journey to raise the $2.7 million in February of this year. So we're about uh, almost 10 months into that. Some of you are doing great, right on track with that. As I understand it, there are 131 uh, um, individuals or households who have not yet participated in that who said that you were going to be a part of that pledge. So I'm just uh, uh, reminding you of that. My assumption is that some of you are uh, planning to use the end of the year advantages to participate in that. And, uh, and so if that's the case, I just want to remind you that we only have three more gatherings here for the rest of the year. That's it, based on what Greg was talking about in terms of our schedule for uh, this year. This Sunday, Next Sunday, the 18th, and then Christmas Eve, the 24th, are the only three more opportunities here this year. Otherwise, we'll be meeting on January 1st for our one uh, celebration all together at 1030 for um, uh, what we're calling Hangover Sunday. No, uh, uh, for the New Year's Day uh, party uh, that we'll have at 1030 here as we gather uh, here in this place. So I um, uh, just wanted to let you know about that. And, uh, and once again, just uh, here as we wrap up the year, just so thankful for your generosity. I'm so excited about the life change that flows out of our generosity here uh, in this church and how that impacts our community, how that impacts the world. So again, thanks. And I uh, wanted to give you a heads up on terms of the plan with that. Would you bow your heads with me as I uh, launch into the message here today? Father God, I thank you for your uh, generosity uh, through the giving of your son, that you have modeled um, a beautiful way to love. And so we want to live that way. We want to live lives that, that absorb your love, and we want to live lives that just extend that to others. And so I uh, pray, God, that you would uh, help us to do that. Um, uh, through whatever way you bless us, God, we want to bless others. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Uh, it is uh, pretty difficult to overstate the significance of the Japanese attack on Pearl Harbor. Uh, it was 75 years ago this week, 75 years ago, just a few days back, uh, that this happened, and it changed the United States forever. It absolutely changed the United States Forever. Prior to um, 
the Japanese attack. Uh, the war had been going on for a couple of years, and the United States was very divided. Uh, there were many who just wished they could, they could stay away from it. Maybe we can stay away from this whole thing. It's their war. It's happening over there. And the, the United States was very divided in terms of whether uh, she should participate in this or not. But when the, uh, when the attack on Pearl Harbor happened, the, the, the country became uh, unified very quickly, very quickly. And as one of the admirals of the Japanese uh, fleet said later on, that uh, they awoke a sleeping giant with the attack on Pearl Harbor. And we all know as a result, the Allies won the war. Uh, it was the formation of the United Nations. And the United States has been a world superpower since then. I mean, it is a, a, the, the world, the United States has dramatically uh, changed since then, dramatically changed um, uh, uh, since then. And uh, uh, what we're looking at here today, this uh, little play that we have here, it's set on December 7th, 1941. And, um, uh, and uh, the idea here with this is that this was an incredibly significant uh, moment in uh, United States history because uh, because everything changed. Everything dramatically changed. Next week, we're going to jump and we're going to take a look at uh, Will and Betty's story in 1943, in the middle of the war. And then we're going to jump to, uh, on Christmas Eve, we're going to jump to 1945 and look at this family at the end of the war. So that's our journey. Hopefully you'll be able to walk that out with us. You will not want to miss it. Uh, uh, we're going to jump and kind of see what happens with uh, this family over, uh, over a four-year period uh, or in and around the uh, Second World War. Uh, and I do want to tell you that, uh, just so you know, just to just rest at ease, that on Christmas Eve, uh, you won't have to have heard the, the other two. You won't have to have heard 1941 and 1943 in, in order to understand the 1945 version of it. It's really not that complicated of a story. Uh, but, but rest assured, uh, and I just want to remind you, Christmas Eve is, is a great time to invite your friends, to invite family members who are not part of your church. Um, People are not offended uh, to be invited to church on Christmas Eve. They're just, they just aren't. This is the one time of the year where everybody listens to songs about Jesus on the radio. I mean, this is, this is just a very open, uh, welcoming time. And uh, we invite you to, uh, to invite people to Christmas Eve. Uh, the services are going to be at 1, 3, 5, and 7. And just as a reminder, the 3 o'clock and the 5 o'clock, they fill up to overflowing. And so um, uh, if there's any way for you to stay away from those two and attend the uh, 1 or the 7 p.m., that would be terrific. If you're bringing somebody, go to whatever celebration you want. I mean, go to whatever celebration works for you and your story, et cetera. But if there's any way for you, if you're not bringing anybody, or if there's any way for you to do 1 or 7 o'clock, uh, that would be uh, hunky-dory, uh, or whatever they would say in the 40s. So uh, uh, that would be a fabulous, um, uh, 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 fabulous if you could, um, if you could uh, jump in and do that. And so uh, the question here today is, um, you know, the issue with our, uh, our guests, uh, Will and Betty, is that sometimes life is heading in a certain direction, and then poof, it just, everything changes dramatically. Sometimes uh, we're, just, we're just, life is heading in this direction, and then boof, something happens, and things change dramatically. And that's what happened for Will and Betty in our story here, that they, they shifted from uh, talking about uh, building a pool to Will having to go off uh, to the army. 
and uh, they, they shifted. He didn't even know what was, what was changing in Betty's uterus uh, there at the moment. And so sometimes life is heading in one direction, and boom, it just changes dramatically. Some people love change. Some people thrive on change. Some people get antsy when things stay the same, same for too long. Some people just, you know, any, any change, any adventure, any challenge set before them, that's just bring it on. That's not a disruption to life. That is an opportunity. It's an invitation. Most people, however, have some level of resistance to change. Most people, we, uh, what we do uh, in general is, uh, you know, to imagine it's a, it's, a, it's a bowling lane. And what we do in life is we set up the pins and we work very hard to set up to, to see, okay, I'm working on this pin and then I'm working on this pin. I'm trying to set up these pins to get life going. And then, and, and then there's this big bowling ball that comes rolling down and it comes and knocks over some of the pins that we've been working so hard on. That uh, I have plans I have plans. I have set the plans up. I have worked hard on the plans. The plans are part of the future. I'm moving towards uh, 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 the, the, the uh, benefit of this plan. Don't get in the way of this. Don't change this. I'm working on the pins of my life. Sometimes, sometimes uh, uh, the, the bowling ball comes and it, and it absolutely disrupts things that we do not want disrupted. Sometimes the change of plans of life are awful or awful. Maybe 2016 has been a, a, a rough year for you. Maybe things in 2016 have not gone the way you planned. And so then the important question there is, how do you respond when the pins get knocked down? How do you respond when, when life is going this way and you're planning in this direction and something comes up and there's a change of plans? How do we respond to that? How do we make this shift? Now, in the original Christmas story, the story that we celebrate that allows us to gather and worship uh, Christ here in this place, in the original Christmas story, the key characters experience some dramatic change of plans. Dramatic change of plans. Mary and Joseph, uh, not unlike Will and Betty, were heading in a certain direction and then and then everything changed for them. Uh, they were, they were um, uh, young, uh, good kids up in Nazareth and, and, and engaged to be married or in, and moving in this direction. And then everything makes a shift, makes a dramatic change, a significant change of plans. And, and, and the big part as we look at their story is how they responded to it. Particularly this morning, we're looking at Mary. How Mary responded to the radical change of plans that was set before her. This morning, we're looking at the story that is found in Luke chapter 1. There are two main versions of the, of the Christmas story, the one found in Matthew and then the one uh, found in Luke. This morning, we're looking at Luke's version in chapter 1. I invite you, if you have a, a, a digital Bible with you or if you have your physical Bible with you, I invite you to open that up and walk that out with me. I'm going to put uh, the passage of Scripture up on the screen as we, uh, as we look at this. And so you're welcome to uh, make sure I'm right, you know, uh, uh, make sure I'm reading from the right place if you have your Bible in front of you. At the beginning of chapter 1, Luke talks about Zechariah, that an angel appears before Zechariah and says that you will give birth to a boy named John. And that boy would become John the Baptist. That's the first part of chapter 1. Then beginning in verse 26, we enter into the story 
of Mary, where Luke writes, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, it's Zechariah and Elizabeth, um, uh, they, get, they eventually give birth to, in three more months, they'll give birth to John the Baptist. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth. Now, Nazareth is a, is a nothingville town. At this point, there was no rock band named after them. There was, uh, there was no kind of a way to be aware of, of this town. It was located 75 miles north of Jerusalem, 75 miles away, which in a walking culture was a long way away, 75 miles away from the spiritual center. From the, uh, the, from the religious center of what was going on there. God didn't choose to show up here in this moment with the Christmas story in Jerusalem. For some reason, out of God's overall amazing plan, he chose to have this started with a, with a, a couple from Nazareth. Nazareth had about 15,000 people in it. It was a small uh, city. It was, it was a very unknown city, um, uh, 75 miles north of Jerusalem, and uh, um, uh, it was in this place that we find uh, our uh, Mary and Joseph from our story. Um, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. They, uh, they make the point twice here in this that she was a virgin that she had uh, um, uh, saved herself uh, for her marriage to Joseph, that in this small town where there, have been, there would have been plenty of opportunities to, to uh, fill the time with something fun and exciting, uh, she had uh, kept herself pure. She and Joseph had kept themselves pure. Uh, they were good young kids. They were, yeah, they were teenagers. They were good young kids uh, following uh, God's plan for their life. It says that they were pledged to be married uh, another word that is used for this is that they were betrothed, which is a little bit different than our understanding of an engagement. That this was a very, uh, this was a strong commitment between these two. It would have been consecrated before a priest as part of their Jewish faith to enter into a year-long journey of preparation for their marriage. That they would have remained uh, faithful to one another in waiting and preparation for their marriage. This was the pledge to be married journey that Mary and Joseph uh, were on. And then, uh, and then an angel comes uh, before them and changes everything. Jump to the next verse. Jump to the next section. Uh, the angel comes and says, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. It's interesting to note that uh, Jesus was a common name, that this would not have, uh, it's a very meaningful name, but it was a common name at the time. It was the Greek version of the word Joshua, which is a celebrated name as part of Israel's history. Joshua, of course, followed Moses as the leader who brought the Israelites into the promised land. And so the name Jesus... Um, uh, it, it means something very different to us here in our culture, uh, but for them it was a common name that was, uh, that was presented. And then uh, and, uh, the story continues. 
He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Now, this, this was an incredible change of plans that was set before Mary here in this moment. I mean, can, can you imagine the encounter? Imagine the encounter with the angel, and everything changes. And then here on the next verse, she asks a question that volumes of books have been written about. Volumes of books over the past 2,000 years have been written about the question that she asks. She says, how will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. You gotta understand, you gotta kind of enter into this young um, teenage girl's journey from Nothingville, Nazareth, who has saved herself for her marriage and is just a just on a on a great journey with God, a great journey with Joseph. And she has this is not a theological question for her. The volumes of books that have been written, they're, they're the, that's a theological question that, that we've been asking. That's what we do, and it's, it's great. We ask theological questions. How could that have been? How could the Holy Spirit have, um, uh, that, that she would conceive by the Holy Spirit, how does that look? How would that get walked out? How is Joseph's bloodline involved? Because Matthew's genealogy says that it's the bloodline that goes from, uh, from David through Joseph, but how is Joseph involved when he's not, it's not his bloodline that actually impregnated Mary? How does that all work? We can ask great, important theological questions. But she doesn't ask a theological question here. She's not interested in the theology. She asks a very practical, very personal question. How can this be? Or more, 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 um, more importantly, how am I going to explain this to Joseph? How, how am I going to explain this to my parents? This for her was a, uh, was a, was a deeply uh, personal question for her. And she, would, she had to encounter a dramatic change of plans. Here she was, poor, young, teenage girl from Nothingville, Nazareth who has to explain to the world that she's the mother of the Messiah. You think you've had some dramatic change this year. I mean, I mean, kind of put yourself in her shoes. And then the angel continues. The Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. This is the, uh, this is the, the setup from the angel, and then Mary has a choice in terms of how to respond. We have to look at the Christmas story. We have to look at any Bible story and understand that the characters in these stories, they have a choice. Mary has a choice in terms of how she responds to God, how she responds to the angel. There's always a choice. God never forces himself on anyone in Scripture. We can't read these stories and go, yeah, well, that just happened to them. It just, it just, these were real people who had to respond to the real change of plans that they had to encounter. There's always a choice. God never forces you to play out your role in his kingdom. 
There's always a choice. There's always an invitation, and there's always an opportunity for the people in Scripture to respond to it. Similar to us, there's always an opportunity for us to decide how are we going to respond. And we have to understand from from Mary's perspective, this was a difficult choice. This, This choice was not easy. The stakes were very high for her. She could have lost her marriage. She could have lost her relationship with Joseph very easily. In Matthew's version of the story, it says that Joseph's first thought was to divorce her quietly. That was Matthew's, that's what he considered. That was his first thought on that. Absolutely. I mean, how would you respond to a situation like this? She could have lost her family. Uh, She could have lost her support system. She may have uh, had to, as a result of this and the accusations and the the, the rumors all going around, she may have had to uh, enter uh, into prostitution or become a beggar. She could have lost all of that. She could have lost her life. I mean, the Jewish law, it wasn't practiced so much at this time, but the Jewish law uh, specifically uh, if, you are, if you are assumed or caught in adultery, you, it was sentenced to death. You would be stoned to death. We find a story like that later on in the Gospels. Her life was very much at risk here in this moment. The stakes were, were very high for her. In a very real sense, there's, there's a huge pause between verse 38 and verse 37. Between verse 37 and 38, the angel sets it all up. And you got to understand that there's a choice involved, just like there is for you and me. There was a choice involved for her. There's a pause between verse 37 and verse 38. There's a um, an American theologian named Frederick Beekner, and interestingly enough, he grew up in the 40s. He's still alive today, Uh, but he wrote about this moment. Uh, in a way that I thought was, uh, was pretty interesting. I want to read this with you. Wigner writes, She struck the angel Gabriel as hardly old enough to have a child at all, let alone this child. But he'd been entrusted with a message to give her, and he gave it. He told her what the child was to be named and who he was to be and something about the mystery that was to come upon her. You must not be afraid, Mary, he said. And as he said it, he only hoped she wouldn't notice that beneath the great golden wings, he himself was trembling with fear to think that the whole future of creation hung now on the answer of a little girl. That's a beautiful picture right there. Now, I don't know if angels can be afraid. I don't know if big... Big-winged, powerful angels can be afraid. In Scripture, we're told consistently that when everyone sees an angel, that the angel first says, do not be afraid. They are powerful about beings. I don't know if they can be afraid, but the point is made well here. The future of creation, the future of humanity, rests on this moment. And she responds in verse 38, I am the Lord's servant. The poor teenage girl responds, May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. I am the Lord's servant. How do you respond when the changes of life interact with your journey? When life is heading in a certain direction and then then poof, things end up going a different way. How do you respond? 
How, how do you and I respond in situations like that? Because I think when it all boils down to it, you and I have the same two options that Mary had in that, in that place. It's the same two options. It's always the same two options. We either choose God or we choose not God. We either choose to serve God or we choose to serve someone or something or ourselves. It, it, it's just, it just breaks down simply into, into that way. Mary says, I am the Lord's servant. That's what, that's what shapes my response to this change of plans. And, and she's modeling for us. That's what should always shape my response. She said, she said you are my master, Lord. You are my master. None of these things are. Not money, not security, not fame, not science, not the offerings of the world, the things of this world. None of those things. That always comes down to, it always comes down to two options. And Scripture is very clear in other places. It says we cannot serve two masters. We cannot serve two masters, God and whatever else the, uh, the non-God is. We cannot serve two masters. All of us must choose one or the other. All of us must choose one or the other. So in, in faced with that moment, with that, um, uh, that, that option between, uh, between God or whatever is not God, what is our response? How do we, how do we move forward? And, and Mary models for us, I am the Lord's servant. Here in this moment, I am the Lord's servant. Even when the change of plans is awful, it's the same two options. That maybe the change of plans for you, the pins that get knocked down, it's not about a miraculous birth. Maybe it's the exact opposite. Maybe it's infertility. Maybe it's the loss of a loved one here this year. Maybe it's the loss of a dream and, and the plans have changed, and it's painful, but it's still the same two options. And Mary models for us, faced with those two options, she says, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Mary had no idea what was at stake on her decision there in verse 38. I mean, there's no way that she could have had. She was told by the angel, and she said, you'll give birth. And, but she, I mean, she, she's heard the, the um, prophecies from long ago and the Old Testament scripture. She would have had no idea, truly, fully, what this meant. She had no idea what was at stake. But as a result of her faithfulness, we celebrate Christmas. As a result of her faithfulness, we have the Christian story we have a relationship with God through Christ. We have, as part of the Christmas story, we have hope and we have joy and we have peace in the midst of any circumstance as a result of her faithfulness. And so how will you respond when you are faced with the change of plans? When life is heading in one direction, maybe this has happened earlier this year, maybe this is part of your journey right now. Life is heading in one direction and you have a plan and you're all, all the, 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 the bowling pins are lined up and you've worked this all out. You have a plan. And then poof, everything changes or a significant part of it changes. You make a financial commitment somewhere and you've thought it all out and it's a wise financial commitment, but you didn't know that you were gonna lose your job. 
You made a relational commitment. You had planned for a future with somebody, but you didn't know that that person wasn't planning a future with you. And, and those kind of change of plans, they happen to us all the time. And the important part is, how will we respond? Because you and I are faced with the same options that Mary was faced with. How will we respond? Mary says, I am the Lord's servant. I will serve you above all else. Whatever you're faced with, whatever the change of plans are, whatever the changes that are coming in the next few weeks, in the next year, whatever is in front of you, we have the same two options. And Mary models for us saying, I am the Lord's servant. I choose to serve the Lord. You don't know what's at stake. You don't know what's at stake. In the summer of 1996, I chose to teach uh, at a college in Kenya, Africa. Uh, for this one summer, it was a four-month, it was one semester, and I chose to go to Kenya, Africa. It was a, just, I, I couldn't afford it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I went over and had this experience, and it was there that I met my wife. It was there in Kenya, Africa. I couldn't find somebody in Canada. I, I couldn't find somebody in the United States. God needed to take me to a different continent to find my wife, and I'm so thankful for that. We never know what, what happens as a result of our faithfulness. Mary had no idea. May we make faithful decisions, even if they're difficult in the moment, because it's that God who will take us to glorious places when we just say, I am the Lord's servant. I trust you above all else. The band's gonna come out and lead us in a final song, and I wanna pray with you before we do that. Would you stand, would you stand as we pray together? Let's pray. Father, I'm so thankful for this incredible story. I'm so thankful for the courage of Mary and Joseph here in this, in this moment as a part of human history. God, this, this is not a myth. This is a real story. This is a real young girl who was faced with a, with a real uh, change of plans in her life. And so, Father, I pray that um, you would help us to be inspired by this story, God, that we would have, have the faithfulness to, to choose you, to say before you, I am the Lord's servant as we are faced with the changes of plans ahead of us. We trust you, God. We trust you above all else. In your son's name we pray. Amen.